Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. If you're not where you want to be financially, if you're not where you want to be emotionally, if you're not where you want to be physically, relationally, socially, 10 times out of 10, it is because you have settled in a place called convenience. Time is uh, not something that you use. Time is the basis of your life. We have a brief moment of life here, both in terms of time and space, we occupy just a speck in this cosmos. Right now I can say I'm living, or I can say I'm dying. And this is where the rich will become richer, the poor will become poorer, and the middle class will get wiped out. Most of us, myself included, are never taught a thing. We're told, go to school, get a degree, get a job, and all you figure it out. And then what happens for the majority of people is you end up broke, you end up struggling financially, and you, you can never figure out why. And so you have to make choices. And then esteemable people do esteemable things. So if you just stop wasting time, you can do it tremendous amount, especially if you also try to maximize efficiency. And I always found that incredibly motivating. You know, I'm a motivating game. How much can I do in the least amount of time possible? Develop the habits. You've got the brain power, you've got the energy, but develop the habits of success. By far the best investment you can make is in yourself. It's like, yeah, well, you want to figure out, you want to figure out something that you're doing with your life that's worth not getting drunk and screwing up. The process of death is on. One day it will be complete. So when you say, I'm lazy, that means I will sleep most of the time, I'll sit around without any purpose to myself. That means that you are encouraging death. If life is a race, what is the goal? You must get to the finish line faster than others. You know what's the finish line? Finish line is death. Wanting to be better than somebody is happening because you have not found any sense of profoundness in your own existence. Undimensional players aren't in the league. One-dimensional players ain't in the league. What made Michael Jordan Michael Jordan is he can put up 30 and he can shut your butt down. He can play offense, he can play defense. He can play 40 minutes, 48 minutes. 
If you're not where you want to be financially, if you're not where you want to be emotionally, if you're not where you want to be physically, relationally, socially, 10 times out of 10, it is because you have settled in a place called convenience. And most of you in this room, your problem is you're one dimensional and you're trying to hang your hat on that. So what? I'm the number one motivational speaker in the world. Am I the number one father in the world? My kids don't care nothing about YouTube. My wife don't care nothing about YouTube. So what? You're the number one motivational speaker. Are you the number one husband? When you come home, cut all that foolishness off and give me me. And there are conferences. Do me a favor. You and CJ talk, and when you get in the garage, you close the garage, and when you come in the house, you take E.T. the hip-hop preacher off. I want Eric. I married Eric. I didn't marry E.T. the hip-hop preacher. If you continue to believe that your best work is behind you, then you will never achieve what is ahead of you. So real quick, what you know, what you got to let go of, write it down right now. Let's not play. There's an anointing in this place. What do you need to let go of so you can become 1%? Wealth is a mindset, it's not a dollar amount. No, catch that. Wealth is a mindset, it's not a dollar amount. The wealthy do what the poor won't do. The problem with many of you is that you got fooled. You got complacent. You got lazy. Somewhere along the line, you lost your enthusiasm, your optimism. He lost your hunger. So we're going to talk about the wealthy in a minute. I want you to write it all down. I told you I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I am willing to do what others are not willing to do so I can live like others would never live. Somebody say you get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I get up at 3 o'clock? Our ancestors were getting up at 3 or 4, picking cotton. Oh, you thought they was getting up at 9. <laughs> You thought they was like, you uh, picking cotton today? Oh, we're gonna start at nine, then we're gonna start at nine a.m. It's gonna just let the sun come up, and then once the sun comes up, you're gonna, oh, you're gonna, you're sick? Oh, you get a sick day. If you want your future, then you are going to have to get acquainted with pain, with discomfort, with inconvenience, because hunger is the only thing that's going to give you the power to persevere through that pain. Here's what's crazy. I, in the 1800s, I had to have a certain work ethic just to survive. And you have the opportunity to become multi-millionaires, billionaires, and your work ethic is worse than the people who have, was forced to work. People tell me, I'm a boss. You're not a boss. You can't even make yourself get up. You got a t-shirt, I'm a boss. But you getting up at 8.30, 9 o'clock. <laughs> Bosses are up watching the 3 o'clock news. Some of you didn't even know the news came on at 3 o'clock. Because you watched the 6 o'clock news. You thought it was that's what the first one. The first news is at 3 a.m. That's the one Warren Buffett on. No, you're saying Warren Buffett is Warren Buffett because he's a white male. Warren Buffett is Warren Buffett because of where he grew up. Warren Buffett is not Warren Buffett because of where he grew up. Warren Buffett is Warren Buffett because what he does, he reads six hours a day every day. That's 42 doggone hours a week. So when Warren Buffett makes a decision, he makes a very wise decision, why? Because he's making it off of 42 hours of reading. You had not read nothing. You watch, you making decisions off the Housewives of Atlanta. 
Warren Buffett is binging on. I was in the room with Warren Buffett. He said he was reading the financial report of GM in 1956. Why? Because that was their best year. He's binging on GM's financial records from 1956 and you binging on power. But but now you say, hey, racist. Hey, racist when you're watching power, though. I don't care if you got to listen to me a thousand times. I need you to get crystal clear about your future because the only reason why you are here the only reason why you're alive is because you have work to do come on talk back to me you are not a boss because you got all day to do whatever you want to do and the most you can do is go to some work for somebody that you don't like and you don't care for and dog them out and complain about them when they giving you a check they guaranteeing you a check they making sure you got health care and you dogging them out. If you don't like what they doing, why are you still there? Go get your own job. They weren't the only ones that was blessed and that was fruitful and that could multiply and that could subdue the earth and have dominion. They not the only ones. You can do it too, but your problem is you're not a one percenter because you don't live like a one percenter. If you want generational cycles broken in your family, if you want to be the first to achieve, the first to get it done, the first to see it, the first to do it, you must stay hungry! How did I balance marriage, fatherhood, and a demanding career? Well, I stopped wasting time that helped a lot. I stopped drinking. I stopped going to bars. I really didn't spend a lot of time with my friends when I had young kids in particular. I had friends and I, I, I saw them, you know, with some degree of regularity. But where I cut corners was more with social life outside my family. So I spent a lot of time with my wife and I spent a lot of time with my kids and I spent a lot of time on my career. And so you have to make choices. And I think those were reasonable choices. I'm not displeased with them. Don't abandon your friendships, but you can certainly look at where you're wasting time and just stop doing things that you know to be a waste of time. So, and I did. The funny thing is, if you're trying to stop drinking, you need something better than alcohol. Mm -hmm. And alcohol is pretty good. So you better find something a lot better, <laughs> man. Yeah, and then it is. And then esteemable people do esteemable things. It's like, yeah, well, you want to figure out you want to figure out something that you're doing with your life that's worth not getting drunk and screwing up because that's fun. I concentrated on my marriage and making time for it. I concentrated on spending time with my kids consciously and I concentrated on developing my career. Those were the three elements of my life and I had some time left over for creative pursuits and, and, and for friends but most of it was a matter of getting rid of time wastes of any sort, you know. And I just pushed that out of my life, you know, day after day until I wasn't wasting any time or virtually no time. And, you know, I've asked my undergraduates frequently how much time they waste per day. And general estimates are like six to eight hours of time they regard themselves as wasting. Like that's a whole career right there, right? So if you just stop wasting time, you can do a tremendous amount, especially if you also try to maximize efficiency. And I always found that incredibly motivating you know I'm a motivating game how much can I do in the least amount of time possible that was that's fun to try to do that as far as I'm concerned because if you're starting to put your life together and you have friends that object 
Those are not friends. Those are just people you know. They're not friends because a friend is someone, this is one of the hallmarks of a friend. Here's two hallmarks. Mm -hmm. A friend is someone you can tell bad news to. And they won't tell you why you're an idiot and they won't interfere with your suffering. They'll just, they'll, just, they'll just listen and maybe they'll suffer along with you. Mm. Okay, so you can tell bad news to them and they won't tell you some worse thing that happened to them. They'll listen mm. and they'll suffer along with you. But a friend is also someone you can tell good news to. And the friend will say, wow, in this veil of tears, something good happened to you. Great, man. Congrats. I'm wonderful. It's rare. It's unlikely. Good for you. I hope 10 more things like that happen. And they're not envious and they're not jealous and they're not one up on you. And if you're trying to get your life together, it's actually, if you're trying to get your life together and your friends get in the way, that's actually real useful for you because you've now identified who your friends aren't. And you might think, well, I can't give them up. It's like, oh, yes, you can. And not only can you, you should, and it would be better for them. Because if they're aiming down and they want you going down with them, there's nothing good about what's happening to them, and there's certainly nothing good about that for you. You might say, well, why do people drink too much? It's like, if you like alcohol, that's a stupid question. Yeah. Right? It's like, why do people drink too much? Well, because it's great. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, so why stop? Well, you do stupid things when you're drunk. You hurt yourself. You, you compromise your health. It's really hard on the people around you. You tend to turn into a liar, and it screws up your life. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but it's pretty fun. Yeah, well, it is, but you need something better than that. And what's better isn't being straight and, 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 and not making mistakes. It's like that's all prohibition in some sense. What's mm -hmm. better is, no, you need an adventure, man. You need to get out there and have something to do yeah. and, and something worth waking up for. And you need, that's the substitute for the addiction. Actually, the addiction is the substitute for that, if, if truth be known. You need to be afraid of the right thing. And you should be afraid of contaminating your soul with deceit. That's what you should be afraid of. That will definitely do you in. And I know exactly how. What happens is, you know, garbage in, garbage out. The old programmer saying goes. And so you'll fill your head with nonsense and no one will call you on it except you. But you can still that voice if you try hard enough. You just wait until you get in real trouble. You know, one day there'll come a point where you have to make a decision. And the decision is the difference between life and death or worse, between someone else's life and death or worse between health and the suffering that's worse than death. And because you've compromised yourself to such a degree, you will not be able to rely on your judgment and you will make the mistake you shouldn't make. And then you're done. And that will absolutely happen. Approach it voluntarily. Carefully, but voluntarily. Don't freeze and run away. Explore instead. You expose yourself to risk, but you gain knowledge. And you wouldn't have a cortex that, you know, is ridiculously disproportionate if as a species we hadn't decided that exploration trumps escape or freezing it's like we explore that can make you the master of the situation so you can be the master of something like fire instead of just being terrified about it so and one of the things that's absolutely phenomenally fascinating i think is that one of the things that the hindus do in relationship to kelly is offer sacrifices say, well, why would you offer sacrifice to what you're afraid of? Well, it's because that is what you do. That's always what you do, is you offer up sacrifices to the unknown in the hope that good things will happen to you. So in a sense, you know, you're faced with something terrible, the uncertain future. That faces all of you, right? Something you're afraid of, no doubt. I mean, how many of you are worried about your future? Yeah, why? 
You're all young, you're smart, you're relatively good looking. It's like, what the hell are you worried for? What are you worried about? You have innumerable quasi-autonomous subsystems that make you up that will generate stories impulsively and you'll just act them out. And you know that because you watch yourself over two weeks and you think, Jesus, I did a lot of stupid things in the last two weeks. And you think, why? And it's because you're a random, you're a collection of somewhat random quasi-autonomous personality units and lacking a leader, they're just going to fire off whenever they want, you know. First you're hungry, then you're thirsty, then you want to go to bed with your wife, you know. Then you want to sleep in, then you want to tell your boss off, then you want to curse at the guy that cuts you off in traffic. It's like, you're kind of like a two-year-old, you know, just it's one emotional frame after another vying for dominance. There's no overarching hierarchy and there's no king at the top. And so, you know, we already talked about pyramids of competence and what's supposed to be at the top is you want to bring all those things together. We understand this neurologically. I'll show you some of that in a little bit. We understand this neurologically, how, 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 how this maps in some sense right onto the neural structure of your being. You want to put something in control and the thing that you should put in control is the bloody thing that pays attention and learns, right? Everything else in the hierarchy should be subordinate to the thing that pays attention and learns. What advice do you have for a young man in his 20s? Make a plan. Look at what you're interested in. Get disciplined about something. Allow for the possibility that you have something important to contribute to the world and that the world would be a lesser place without that contribution. Don't be afraid of taking on responsibility. You're so... It's where you find what sustains you in your life. You can take on too much responsibility. You, you have to be cautious in that regard, but that's a less common problem than not taking on enough. A lot of the things that people regard as traps are actually the means to their life. You know, often young people are afraid of commitment, for example, in the context of a romantic relationship, and because they feel that that's going to interfere with their pursuit of something more valuable, but that's just not the case. Is You're not going to find something more valuable in your life than a committed relationship with someone that you love that sustains itself across time and that in all likelihood produces children. That's life. And there may be people for whom avoiding that is the better route, but those people are very rare and you need a real reason to assume that you're one of those people. And hopefully for you, you're not. Um, you know, I've had a very good career, a very meaningful career in multiple dimensions, and it's still been the case for me that the most important part of my life has been my intimate relationship with my wife and my, and my family. So don't be afraid of that, or be afraid of it, but don't let that stop you from, from pursuing it. There is no struggle for survival, survival is taken care of. Now you need profoundness, if there is no profoundness, you wonder why are you alive. I know only one thing, I don't know too many things, I just know only one thing. I know this piece of life from its origin to its ultimate. I only talk about this life, but the world assumes I am talking about them, because fortunately life is made the same way within them also, on the surface. Deep inside, both lives are made the same way. When I talk about this, plants think I'm talking about them, the worms think I'm talking about them, every other human being thinks I'm talking about them.
I am only talking about this because this is the only thing I know. You've seen the entire world only within you. Everything that you saw, heard, smelled, tasted and touched happened only within you. So your whole experience of life is only happening within you. If you know this life, in, in reflection, you know everything in that sense. But actually you know only one thing, rest is all imagination. Well, uh, most things that human beings do are not done consciously, unfortunately. It is mostly compulsively done and that is the whole problem with humanity. With the level of intelligence and competence that we have, the moment we function compulsively, we become destructive. If you become conscious, naturally you will curtail so many of your actions because they are absolutely unnecessary. Either you are trying to be better than somebody which you can never be, and uh, are you trying to do something in competition with the rest of the world, wanting to prove some nonsense that nobody is uh, convinced about anyway. And all these countless number of people who existed on this planet before you and me, all those idiots also were doing the same thing. But where are they now? They're all topsoil. You and me also will be topsoil after some time. So let's not think too much about ourselves. If we understand the context of our existence, we are just a small pop-up on this planet and will pop out. If we know this, keeping your life pleasant, profound, if necessary in action, impactful, that is a choice. To do it without activity is much harder than to do it with activity. Most people who are lazy are also bitter about something. There's, there is no sense of profoundness to their life. They always feel insufficient. That's not the way to live. If you are very pleasant, and you have a profound experience of life, you have a right to do nothing, absolutely nothing. Time is a very relative experience. On a given day, you're very joyful. Have you noticed on that day, twenty-four hours, poof, went, went off like a moment? Another day, you're miserable or depressed, twenty-four hours feels like ten thousand years. So only miserable people can have a long life. So those miserable people raise all these kind of questions and make it like it's some great philosophy. Life is not a philosophy. Philosophy is a silly explanation to a life which is a phenomenon beyond all explanations. You can only experience this. You can't deduct it into your philosophy. The moment you deduct it into your philosophy, you become a constipated life. That means it happens little by little. It doesn't happen like an explosion <laughs> See, everybody knows what is needed in the world. The most important thing needed is right now, we need pleasant human beings. Where should it start? With yourself. At least you become peaceful, joyful, loving, at least this much you become. Rest we will see what to do. This… because there's only one problem on the planet, human being, isn't it? Human being is the flower of evolution, the peak of evolution. In terms of life, the heap of life that is there from microbial life to complex manifestation of life on this planet, you are on top of the world. But human beings are not experiencing their life like they are on top of the world. They are in the depths of misery compared to any other cre creature. All other creatures, if you just provide them the food that they need, they are all fine. A human being is miserable if he doesn't have food. If you give him food, he will feed his misery further. Simply because for all other creatures, nature has fixed their 
way of being. Nature is fixed how they should be. How a grasshopper should be, how a tiger should be, how an elephant should be, nature is fixed at least ninety percent of their life. Only ten percent latitude may be there for individual animals to find some expression for themselves. But in the case of a human being, a human being comes largely unformed. Only ten percent is fixed, ninety percent is left loose. This is what human beings are suffering. Human beings are not suffering their bondage. Human beings are suffering their freedom. You are free to make yourself whichever way you want. That means you know how to be. If you know how to be, would you like to keep yourself in the heights of pleasantness or unpleasantness? Tell me. There's a big difference between loving to be lazy and being lazy because laziness, if there is stillness in your body, that's called death. But if there is stillness in the core of who you are, then that is the source of life. There's a big difference. Only to create pleasantness in your surroundings, you need the cooperation of the people and the forces which are around you. But to create pleasantness of body, mind, emotion and energy is one hundred percent your business. If this much everybody takes care of, then what to do in the world, we can see if there's something to do, we will do. Otherwise, let's take a walk, let's climb a tree or go swim or just sit still, do whatever the hell you want. But the important thing is, your life should be pleasant. Once you're pleasant, you're not satisfied that with that, you will want profoundness of experience. Then you make your life profound. If it's pleasant and profound, you'll have no need to do anything. If something is needed, you will do it. If nothing is needed, you can sit here joyfully, what's the problem? And various nicknames for me, he'd call me Fireball sometimes because I'd start little businesses. He didn't care about money at all. He believed very much in having an inner scorecard and I never worry about what other people are thinking about you, you know, just, just, uh, if you know why you're doing what you're doing, uh, that's good enough. When I want to do something, I always want to do it big. I've said many times that, that 65 or 70 and the people that you want to have love you actually do love you, you're a success. Some people should not own stocks at all because they just get too upset with price fluctuations. If you're going to do dumb things because your stock, a stock goes down, you shouldn't own a stock at all. <laughs> the first books I read on investment were actually in my dad's office. I just read and read and read. I probably read five to six hours a day. I mean, I figured out very early, you don't have to be that smart in this business, which is fortunate, but you do have to have the right temperament. The best gift I was ever given was to have the father that I had when I was born. Known as the Oracle of Omaha, the 91-year-old Warren Buffett is one of the most successful investors of all time. He went from buying his first stock at age 11 to running Berkshire Hathaway, a multinational holding company with total assets nearing $1 trillion. Often appearing on lists alongside Bill Gates and Elon Musk, his current net worth is $105 billion, placing him as the seventh richest person in the world. Despite such enormous wealth, he maintains a simple lifestyle. He lives in the same home that he bought back in 1958 for $31,500. He makes his daily commute in his 2014 Cadillac XTS, often stopping by McDonald's for breakfast before heading into the office. So for someone with such a simple routine and more money than he could possibly spend, what makes him happy? I would have to be honestly say that, that, that what makes me happiest is what I'm doing, what I'm doing. 
I know I'll win over time. That doesn't mean I'll beat everybody else or anything like that, but I'll, I, I mean, the game is very, very, very easy if you have the right lessons in your mind about what you're buying. I'm not buying stocks. I'm buying pieces of overwhelmingly American business. Uh, and I'm happy when that's happy, when that's, uh, when I'm doing it. I'm happy when stocks are going down. I'm happier when stocks are going down because I, I, I can buy more of them with the same amount of money. I'd be happy if I was a farmer. I'd want farmland to go down uh, so I could buy more acreage. You know, if I was, I mean, it just makes sense. The best boat you can have is your own talent. You know, I mean, it's they can't they can't take it away from you. They inflation can't take it from you. Right. Taxes can't take it from you. So, I, I when I talk to students, I see these students and I tell them, you know, you're a million dollar asset. I would pay you a hundred thousand dollars to the MBAs for ten percent of the earnings for the rest of your life. So that makes you a million dollar asset. Now, if you can do something to increase that value fifty percent, if you can learn to communicate better verbally or in written form, and you become fifty percent more, that's five hundred thousand dollars just by improving yourself. I mean. It, not, nobody can take that away from you, and and so I urge every, everybody, you know, when they're, I talk to them in high school about this and and, and, and colleges, just do develop develop the habits. You've got the brain power, you've got the energy, but develop the habits of success and, and look around you at the people that you admire, you know, and list what makes you admire them compared to somebody else that looks equally strong or equally talented, and. Those are those are things that you can do. I mean, just write them down, and and, and uh, you know, people like people that are they're, they like them if they're if they're humorous and they're friendly, if they're if they're uh, if they give credit to the other fellow. I mean, uh, and and they don't like them if they're stingy, you know, or they overstate and overpromise and all those sort of things. Well, that's decision. That's a decision you make. So, so I I encourage everybody to build your own moat around yourself. Accumulating such a large net worth doesn't happen if you're average at what you do. Clearly, Warren Buffett is at the top of the investing game. Here's some of his best investing advice. All you have to do is just buy a cross-section of America and then never listen to people like me or read the papers or do anything subsequently. It, uh, they, think, they think that because you can trade, you should trade. They, you buy a farm, you buy an apartment house, you can't resell it tomorrow and you know, the cost of moving around. Or, you, now you get something handed to you, liquidity, you know, which is instant. You can sell, and the, the costs of doing it are pennies, you know, compared to other kinds of investment activity. So because they can so easily move around, they do move around, and moving around is not smarter than investing. By far, the best investment you can make is in yourself. I mean, that, for example, communication skills. I tell the students that come that uh, they're going to graduate schools and business and they, they're learning all these complicated formulas and all that. If they just learn to communicate better, in, both in writing and in person, they increase their value at least 50%. You know, I mean, it, 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 uh, if you can't communicate, somebody says, you know, it's like winking at a girl in the dark. Nothing happens, you know, basically. And and you have to be able to get get forth your ideas. And uh, and that's, that's relatively easy. I did it myself. It, it's just hugely important. And you, if you invest in yourself, Nobody can take it away from you. Well, life advice is, uh, you know, the most important thing uh, is really who you associate with. You want to associate with people that are better than you are. I mean, basically, you'll go in the direction of the people that you associate with, and and you want to have the right heroes. Uh, you want people. If you want to emulate somebody, you better pick 
very carefully who you want to emulate. And uh, obviously you can't pick your parents. Uh, uh, they're gonna have an enormous influence on you, but you don't get a choice on that. But you get choices as you go down the line and you, uh, who, you, uh, who you admire, who you, who, you, who you want to copy. And the most important for most people in terms of that decision is their spouse. It's also important in terms of a partner in business, but the partner in life is, is the most important one. You want to pick a spouse that's a little bit better than you are, <laughs> and then he or she, and, hope, and you hope they don't figure it out too fast. <laughs> I'll leave you with this metaphor Warren uses to encourage everyone to take care of themselves. I was in high school, almost a third as long as the country has been around. And when I was in high school, I really only had two things on my mind, girls and cars. <laughs> and and I wasn't doing very well with girls, so we'll talk about cars. <laughs> but let's just imagine that when we finish, I'm going to let each one of you pick out the car of your choice. Sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, pick it out, any color, you name it, it'll be tied up with a bow, and it'll be at your house tomorrow. And you say, well, what's the catch? <laughs> and the catch is, that it's the only car you're going to get in your lifetime. Now, what are you going to do knowing that that's the only car you're ever going to have and you love that car? You're going to take care of it like you cannot believe. Now, what I'd like to suggest, you're not going to get only one car in your lifetime, but you're gonna get one body and one mind, and that's all you're gonna get. And that body and mind feels terrific now, but it has to last you a lifetime. You get exactly one mind and one, and one body in this world, and, and you can't start taking care of it when you're 50. By that time, you'll have rusted out if you haven't done anything. So you, you, should, you should really make sure that you just remember that you've just got one mind and body to get through life with and to, to do the most with it. And this is where the rich will become richer, the poor will become poorer, and the middle class will get wiped out. Most of us, myself included, are never taught a thing, a thing about money. We're told, go to school, get a degree, get a job, and all you figure it out. And then what happens for the majority of people is you end up broke, you end up struggling financially, and you, you can never figure out why. Rich people will understand money and they will continue teaching their kids. And everybody else, the majority of people who have no idea what's happening will continue to become poorer because they don't even see it happen. Uh, high school, I went through college, I went through one year of grad school, and then I went through law school, and I never once learned a thing about money. When more money gets produced, it effectively reduces the value of each individual dollar. But this is where rich get rich and the poor get poorer because as the value of the dollars drop, what happens? For regular people, your salary doesn't stretch as far, your savings don't buy you as much. And so you're effectively becoming poorer each and every day because for most of us, we're taught to save our money and your savings are becoming less valuable each and every day. Well, what wealthy people do is they're not storing cash, they're buying assets. And you know, it's, it's all a game. And this is what wealthy people understand. It's all a game. Anything is possible. If you live in America, you speak English, you have more opportunities than really anybody else in the world. People will literally risk their lives, risk their lives to come to this country because there's opportunity here. So my parents came to this country with next to nothing. So I got nothing to lose and everything to gain, right? And so this is the place where that opportunity exists. But now you have to be willing to work hard, but you also have to be willing to work smart. You have to do both. 
Because if you're not willing to work hard, your, your smart working is effectively worthless. You have to be willing to apply both together. And I had none of this, you know, financial education. Your salary, hey, you got a raise, <laughs> but you're actually broker now than you were before the raise because your raise isn't keeping up with inflation. As you start to go down deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole, you start to realize, oh my God, everything that I've been told is a lie. As I was studying, I started reading other business books and financial books, and I remember this. I was in the library studying, and I went on to Google, and I searched the richest people in America. And you see people like Steve Jobs, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg. And I was like, huh, none of these people are doctors. Mm -hmm. None of these people went down that traditional route of you know, getting a degree, doing a good job. Am I missing something? Because I thought that if you go to school, get a good degree, you can make a lot of money. And if you work harder in school, get better grades, you'll make even more money. So I thought it was just directly correlated, your grades, your income. And that's when I started questioning things. And I realized, oh, maybe this isn't right. And so that, that kind of pushed me into this whole painful, emotional journey of learning about money, learning about entrepreneurship, learning about what does it mean to become wealthy and how do you actually do it? So that was, that was kind of the, the initial phase for me and then I had to go out and actually start learning. The government can't just spend money without somebody paying for it. They have to generate the tax dollars. If they don't pay it through tax dollars, somebody's still going to have to pay a tax. And inflation now is a hidden tax. It's a silent tax. It affects the people who don't understand money and it disproportionately affects the poor and the financially uneducated. And this is why financial education is so important is because if you don't understand this, you are going to get screwed over by the system. Because now, guess what? Your gas is going to be more expensive. Your groceries are going to be more expensive. Your home cost is going to be more expensive. The cost to do anything is going to cost you so much more today, next year, the year after that. Well, your salary, hey, you got a raise, <laughs> but you're actually broker now than you were before the raise because your raise isn't keeping up with inflation. And, and so that's where you have to be willing to go out of your way to learn how some of these things work. Because if you don't, you're just going to be a pawn in the system. And it's very unfortunate. It sucks. And you know, this is where I'm trying to help provide that education because these are things I never grew up learning. These are things that I wish somebody would have told me. Seven out of 10 Americans across the board are living paycheck to paycheck. 50% of Americans that are making $250,000 a year are living paycheck to paycheck. That's crazy. It's not how much money you make. It's what you do with the money you make that is so important. And so now, if you have a buffer, you're already better than the majority of people. Now the question is, what do you do with it? Well, we're taught, save it. Save all of it. So your investments are zero and your savings, you're trying to grow that thinking that you're trying to, you're going to become wealthy, but you're never going to be able to outsave inflation. You're going to, your, your savings are literally making you poorer each and every day. However, you don't want to just not save any money. You got to be strategic with it. What I like to say is there are three reasons why you should be saving money. You save money for an emergency, have somewhere between three to 12 months worth of expenses, depending on your risk tolerance. Save money for a big purchase. You want to buy a car, you want to buy a house, you need some cash to do that. Save money for an investment. If you're not saving money for one of these three reasons, you are saving your money the wrong way and it's making you poorer each and every day. Now, you didn't say save for retirement. Yeah, invest for retirement. The psychology of investing is just as, if not more important, than the actual how-tos mm -hmm. of investing. So I invest my money in five places. Real estate, stocks, startups, cryptocurrency, and physical gold. But in the stock market particularly, it is a liquid investment, meaning you can easily buy, you can easily sell. And that's what becomes a big psychological game 
because every day people are watching that ticker. What's Tesla doing today? Tesla's up $2, Tesla's down $4, and it, it can really drain you. So the first thing is you have to understand that your psychology is important. What I do is I understand I'm not a trader. I don't trade, I don't flip. I have two strategies when it comes to investing my money. I have an active strategy and I have a passive strategy. I'll start with the passive strategy because that's easy to understand. Every month, I passively invest my money into stocks, physical, gold, and cryptocurrency. And so what that means is it's automatic, low-cost ETFs, and I have ETFs to give me exposure to the S&P 500. That's kind of your safe, your value. S&P 500 are the biggest 500 companies in the stock market. So that's the kind of the safe value play. I have some uh, ETFs to give me exposure to innovation, startups, growth, because I like that space. Much more risky, but you can see more potential upside. Risk means you could also see more downside. And then I also have ETFs that give me exposure to emerging markets. These are countries that are overseas, countries like China, India, Korea, Brazil, countries that are, are up and coming to give you some diversification, not just in companies, but also in dollars. And then I have my cryptocurrencies. Now, I, I'm mainly in Bitcoin. I have some Ethereum and a couple other coins, but mainly Bitcoin and every day, I buy a little bit of cryptocurrency. Again, I know it's volatile. Mm -hmm. I know you can see big swings up, big swings down. I don't care. I'm buying it every single day. So that's my passive strategy where it doesn't matter what's going on in the market. I'm just going to keep buying no matter what's going on. Mm -hmm. Then my active strategy is now where I do more of the fundamental analysis where I understand where am I actually investing my money. So this requires much more time and more effort on my end. So on the real estate side, I'm looking for deals that are paying me that 7% cash on cash return. And so I'm gonna be analyzing the numbers, looking for mm -hmm. properties, walk through a lot of deals, and when I find something, I will go out and buy it. In the stock market, rather similar. I'm looking for companies that I believe in, that I believe are good fundamentally. Fundamentally means looking at the numbers, right? What do the revenues look like? Have the revenues been growing? How fast are they growing? 10% a year, 20% a year? What about the profits? But you also have to look a little bit deeper than just the profits because you want to see what's going on with the expenses. Where are they investing? Are their expenses going up because the cost of yeah. business is becoming more expensive? Or are the expenses rising because they're investing more in their company? So you got to do a little bit of digging in there. Um, and then in startups, obviously I invest in my own companies. But I also invest in startup companies. I, I, I love entrepreneurship. I, I am a huge fan of entrepreneurs. I love supporting other entrepreneurs because I never had that support when I was getting started as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways I can provide the support is through money, through investing in some of these entrepreneurs. So uh, I invest in these startups. Fourth, uh, cryptocurrency. If a big cryptocurrency crash happens, well, I already know what I want to own. I'll just come in and buy more. And with gold, I don't really actively buy gold, right. but uh, th that's the four ways that I actively invest my money. Sure. 
Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 